Ah, I'm feeling much better today, although not 100%, but I've also just had some wine, so, eh, fuck it. <laughs> I'm feeling well, like shit, but oh well. well I think I'm alcohol always is the best like way shit. to deal with the rebirth. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how David Wise dealt with it. I would I would agree. I would agree with that. Wait, I have to sell how many toys? Well, time to, time to bust out the hard alcohol. <laughs> yeah. A writer's best friend. Whiskey. That's right. I've always really liked this episode, though, and I think so much of it is because it's just this is the only time you ever see so many of these characters. Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Generation One podcast. <gasps> what? I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. I'm David. And, I, and I'm Counter Rob. I hear my Rob counterpart is nearby. <laughs> Real nearby. So good. So good. Uh, and yes, uh, today we uh, we take a break from our Beast Machines coverage to uh, give you the tale of Transformers blending with organics, uh, ancient super weapons being discovered, and a uh, a heroic leader's journey into an ancient supercomputer that uh, leads him to what seems to be religious fanaticism. <laughs> you know, all all normal stuff for this show. Yeah, because we are talking about the rebirth. Yay. Dun, dun, dun. Now, normally, our filler episode yeah, is a, something a break different. We, we do something sillier or odder. Yeah, we had a bit of a break between seasons. Yeah. And especially since uh, uh, you can certainly go into stores and buy all sorts of uh, Titans Return toys. Maybe y'all which, can. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if uh, you live in a place with distribution. I got two. I live in Canada and I found them. Wow. I'm I'm messing with a uh, skull smasher or whatever they're calling him now. Skull dude, I just call them skull dude. I mean, he's skull cruncher. Yeah, he's skull cruncher. I I don't give any stock to this like new name thing. I just call them what they were named before. I can't keep up with that stuff. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed your vacation to uh, Ceylon and Capomchia. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. Maybe afterwards I was going to go to Constantinople. <laughs> that's, boy, that's uh, that's dedication. <laughs> anyway, yes, we watched the rebirth, the three-parter that was the uh, the grand finale of uh, the Transformers Generation One uh, cartoon. Yeah. Kind of accidental Very... grand finale, wasn't it? Like it just yeah, I mean, it, ended up being that. It's even an accidental uh, three-parter. It was supposed to be a five-parter. Oh. I, I can see that. It feels like it's got about five parts worth of stuff shoved in there. Kind of. Yeah. It, it does and it doesn't. 
Yeah, it's it's very much just stuff just happens just all over the place, just things constantly happening. And time has no meaning, and like three dozen characters are introduced. Yeah, it, and it has five parts worth of plot and maybe one part worth of subplot. The uh, six parts worth of toy selling. <laughs> and the yes. plot is is pushed through primarily through uh the the main driving force of the plot is uh ineffable <laughs> ineffable deities basically. Yep. It's kind of like beast machines in that respect. Yeah, I, yeah, I can see that. But it, it it's feels, remarkable how thematically appropriate this was. Yeah. yeah. It it feels a bit more blatant. And yeah, I would say when when Optimus Prime came back from the dead after that he Definitely developed a sort of weird mystic streak that, that he was not previously known for. And to give Optimus Primal credit, it took him like coming back from the dead for the third time for that to happen. True. Yes. Oh, and after being exposed to Optimus Prime Spark, so maybe that's oh, yeah. where he got it from. Yeah, that could be. It could be. All right, so let's just start with the basic here. Unlike the show that we've been watching, this is not uh, happening in the uh, you know the Clinton administration, we are way back in 1987, so let's do a lot of coke and vote for Ronald Reagan. Yay! Thank you, Reagan, for deregulating TV advertising so that you could sell toys based on cartoons and advertise those toys during the cartoons, which gave us this delightful franchise we all know and love. Reagan did one thing right! I'm... I'm gonna... I'm gonna write a book about the the social impact of, of all that someday. Ooh. That will be called Optimus Prime Died for Our Sins. <laughs> Died for Our Sales. That's a good one, too. I like that one. So, yeah, uh, unlike the shows that we've had the luxury of watching for the past uh, over a year now at this point, uh, they were really cranking these episodes out. I mean, even this one, which is the three-part, uh, you know, three-part season fin- series finale. Uh, so... Unlike the care that has gone into, you know, even the worst episodes of the uh, Beast era, there are a ton of animation errors in this. Yeah. I would say yeah. this is not quite, as, as someone who knows the G1 cartoon much too well, I would say this is not quite on the level of Carnage in C minor. But no, I mean, this isn't even the worst. No, this is definitely yeah, not the but worst. But it's, it's definitely like an average, I would say this is like an average episode level of animation yeah. errors. Not a good episode level, just an average episode level of, yeah. of animation errors. And this is all animated by ACOM, which is a South Korean animation studio, which... Uh, is not great for the most part. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that the one that uh, is run by Nelson Shin, director yes. of Transformers the movie? That's the one. Huh. Uh-huh. Huh. Uh, they also did Five Faces of Darkness, um, uh, The Autobot Run, City of Steel. Did they do Money is Everything? <laughs> uh, I don't think they did do Money is Everything. Actually, No, that one actually has pretty nice animation. They, they didn't do Call of the Primitives, because that's got freaky nice animation. Oh, yeah. They yeah. did do Carnage in C minor, though. Oh, okay. Also, I believe they did a lot of The Simpsons. Really? Mm. I mean, yeah, I I've, that... I've seen that pop up in the credits back when I watched it, back when it was, you know, decent. Huh. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're they're better now, I would think. Although, apparently, they were fired from Batman the Animated Series because they were constantly turning in 
poor work. I mean, it's also possible that it's a lot easier to do something like The Simpsons than something that requires, like, very detailed models like Transformers. Because even despite the, you know, animation-friendly models, they're still not that friendly. No, we're we're not quite in, like, Bruce Timm territory yet, where we've... Americans have discovered how to make animation models. Yes. (laughs) So, so yes, it's ACOM, it's... Not great animation. Yeah, and, it's uh, their this, cheap wing. The the opening mm-hmm. animation looks really good and, though, but that's probably by somebody. Well, except for the part where Springer's running at the screen, but he's colored like Cup. Okay, so most of like half of that intro sequence. This is a new intro sequence for the Rebirth because this is kind of the fourth season. Yes. So half of that is just the. It was season. released as the fourth season on DVD. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So about half of that is just the season three intro, which is Acom. There is... Oh, go ahead. Oh, and the other half is animation lifted from the TV commercials, which was by a much better studio. Yes, that was actually exactly what I was going to say, is that the rest of it, the really nice bits that are, like, new characters uh, are, yeah, the commercial animation. And uh, and Flywheels is in there. He's even in this episode. (laughs) Yeah, he's got a really nice little bit of animation there. That's, like, super sweet Flywheels animation. And and it's from that awesome commercial where uh, Galvatron, where Cyclonus is all upset because that jet is going to crash into that tank. <laughs> oh yeah. And there's also very very nice Technobot animation there, which I believe is also from their commercial. Yes, and some nice Fortress Maximus, some nice uh, Target Masters. Yeah, the the commercial animation was generally consistently nice. Yeah, as opposed to the. Acom stuff. I mean, it's pretty clear. You can tell which parts are the season three opening parts and which parts are the nice commercial animation. And uh, this was written by David Wise, who wrote a ton of Generation One. He wrote, like, he's written a ton of animation in general. He wrote seventy episodes of Ninja Turtles. Yeah, he did a lot of Ninja Turtles. He also kind of reuses the plots a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, he's basically, getting pay- he's basically gotten paid for writing Kremzeek four times. Well, it's hard <laughs> to fault him alone for that, because that, that was a very common practice back in the 80s. Like, you get a lot of that from Don Glut, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm sure Hanna-Barbera is, like, the master of this. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure on our, you know, Beast Wars coverage, I discussed the sort of arc that you get of of when a medium like that starts out you get the people who are just sort of crapping stuff out for a paycheck and then eventually you get to people who actually like grew up wanting to do this stuff and this is definitely g1 is definitely at the point where these people are just scribbling these things out for a paycheck oh yeah i i'm gonna guess crimson happened four times because he had the same basic plot arc and sent it out to four different shows as a spec script at the same time. Well, actually, he, he, it was used, like, over the course of a decade. Oh, wow. Oh. It was first a He-Man episode, then huh. Transformers, then Ninja Turtles, and then that Mighty Ducks cartoon. Oh, what? I wow. have a friend here in my own city who writes Mighty Ducks fanfiction. Oh, well, <laughs> ask them if they've written erotic fanfiction. I'm, I'm assuming it's erotic, because... I think she has done some, yeah. I mean, you know, none of us can deny the erotic possibilities of ducks. That's <laughs> now I'm thinking of duck penis, and that's what? those no. are traumatic, man. Let's go back to robots, Those are please. traumatic. 
I was just going to start talking about Leah Thompson. <laughs> no. I mean, Carl Barks, so. Yes. Yeah, anyway. So, yeah, David Wise wrote this, and then it makes sense since he'd written a bunch of uh, Generation Y that he'd be the one to close it out. Hmm. Yeah. And also, frankly, if they weren't working from uh, toys that already existed, I wouldn't be shocked to see chest masters. <laughs> I mean, the the Japanese got breast masters. Yeah, yeah. Well, breast they, force. Because, yeah, breast, breast force. force. I, I believe breast masters. On, on the packaging, they did at least forget to put the A in there, so it was B-R-E-S-T. <laughs> it's, I, that was definitely, especially at that point in G1, Takara was definitely at the point where they really liked English, but they didn't know what, what it meant. <laughs> so <laughs> you got things like the MicroMaster named Mixing, and you got things like Breast Force. <laughs> They really Isn't there like also a guy English. named Gingham? Yes, there is a MicroMaster named Gingham. <laughs> they Which, really I'm not sure English. what it is, but I'm pretty sure my mom had a roll of it in the uh, hall closet. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. that could be a play on something else. It's like, Ginga, I think, means galaxy or something like that. Oh. So it might be a pun. I oh, learn something new every day. And uh, we start off with me learning something new every day because I'd totally forgotten that uh, Bumblebee became Goldbug in the cartoon. Yes. Oh, yeah. There, there's a very amusing, like, YouTube dub thing about that that I will leave it to other people. <laughs> yeah, I guess that happened in, uh, was it uh, Return of Optimus Prime? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's at Autobot City. He's talking with the Technobots. And... Uh, Things have been pretty slow around there since the return of Optimus Prime, which, interesting bit of inter-episode continuity there. You don't see that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, return of Optimus Prime is pretty momentous in as much as it involved the return of Optimus Prime. <laughs> yes. And then within seconds, alarms start sounding. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the Decepticons are attacking. And they say, like, a hundred Decepticons... And apparently, 100 Decepticons is all known Decepticons. Except it really looks more like maybe a dozen or two dozen. And yeah, to be well, fair, considering the events of Season 3, I would say a dozen to two dozen Decepticons at that point seems reasonable. Yeah. I would just assume that all the ones you don't see uh, don't have their toys being sold right now. And they're on the other side of Autobot City, fighting the Autobots who are not in this episode. <laughs> yes. So uh, it's that, just like the, uh, I don't know, the Stunticons fighting the Dinobots. Yeah. And meanwhile, Optimus Prime just barges into, uh, or Ultra Magnus barges into Optimus Prime's room without knocking, because <laughs> Ultra Magnus. And uh, Optimus is just having, like, visions of the Matrix. It's something big. And he's holding his stomach like he, he's sick or something? He's, this is, that's where he's having the uh, Matrix visions. They're in his gut. He's got these <laughs> gut feelings. I guess maybe it migrated down from his chest down to his gut. It's kind of settling on me. <laughs> but but yeah, this is him being like weird mystic Optimus Prime. And yeah, it's something big. And obviously the big, the only thing that Ultra Magnus can think of is, well, it must be a Decepticon attack, because again, Ultra Magnus. Yes. Which does seem very in tune with his uh, IDW characterization. Yeah. True, true. 
not, yeah. not the most imaginative guy. Yeah. But anyway, this this is only just the beginning. And so it's a Decepticon attack, and it's Cyclonus and Scourge, who we've seen since the movie. Although uh, Cyclonus sounds different, because yes. I think at this point uh, Roger C. Carmel had died. Yes, hmm. he had died actually uh, just before they recorded The Return of Optimus Prime, and he was replaced by Jack Angel. Uh, Roger C. Carmel, you probably know uh, as Harry Mudd on uh, Star Trek. And then Jack Angel is a bunch of other guys on Transformers, including Ultra Magnus. Yes. And he's he is still alive, yes. Yeah. But yes, he was various characters. But yeah, I would say that Ultra Magnus and, and Smokescreen, if if you like the season two, uh the gambler being actually a pretty good episode from that season. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's uh so it's Cyclonus and Scourge, and then a bunch of guys we've never seen because we've got three episodes to sell every toy that we're putting out in 1987. Oh my goodness, do they? Yay, robot roll call! Yeah, yeah it's, ro- it's kind of like that. All right, so we've got the guys who will later become headmasters, so that means uh, Mind Wipe, uh, who is a bat, uh, Weird Wolf, who is a wolf, and Skull Cruncher, who is a gator, plus the headmaster Horrorcons, Ape Face, who is an ape, and Snapdragon, who is a dragon. Plus, we've also got the three guys who are going to become Target Masters, which is Misfire, Slug Slinger, and Trigger Happy. Plus, the Decepticon clones Pounce and Counter... or Pounce and Wingspan. <laughs> yes, Wingspan and Pounce. <laughs> pounce and Counter Pounce would be pretty great, though. Oh, man. And I mean, a I guess flying could be considered like, a Counter Pounce. I think the Terracons are there. Yeah, the Terracons are also there. Yes, because their toys were probably like like the uh, Technobots who are are seen pretty regularly in this episode. The Terracons are probably still on the shelf. Yeah, actually, I think they were 1987 product as well. The ah. ter- the Technobots and the uh, they just got introduced earlier in the season. Well, there you go. Yeah, the Technobots I think have the first lines of dialogue in the episode, and then they just go to the background. Yes, yeah, so we see tech- and we also see the Throttlebots. Yes, they have like a little rollout thing, and they're talking to each other. They're saying each other's names. (laughs) I I like that. (laughs) It's the only time it ever happens. Yep. So, yeah, uh, we get to see... We don't get to see them do a whole lot, and also, they... The Autobots know these new Decepticons, but they... We've never seen them before. Yes. Yeah. They've just been around. They've just... They met... Off screen. And uh, the only one who really gets to do anything is Mindwipe, who uh, kind of has Dracula voice. Yes. Also, Apeface has an inexplicable Russian accent. He, he says yes, a couple also, things. Also, Apeface is, uh, how, has how you say the Russian accent. I don't think yes. he actually has the Russian accent in this episode. In the next two, it's more noticeable. Then again, he doesn't say much in this episode. I think he has I'm, I'm pretty line. sure he does. Yeah. yeah, the like two lines he has in this episode are are definitely a little Russian. And that's uh, that's Apeface as voiced by uh, Dick Gauthier, uh, who Ooh. is also Hot Rod. Yeah, hmm. exciting. Mindweb sounding slightly vampire also means he has psychic powers. Uh, he has hypnosis because he's like a bat. the Dracula. <laughs> But I mean, his t- I, that's probably from his toy, because I think his function is Decepticon Hypnotist. Yeah, hmm. I think so. 
I think that's like his <laughs> like his gimmick, like early G one characters had gimmicks. He's kind of yeah, got a gimmick. I kind of dig that because that's more than Skullcruncher and Weird Wolf get to do. I don't think they even get lines. Uh, Skullcruncher has like two lines, but yeah, he doesn't do anything. Weird Wolf, not really. I remember Weird hearing the name Monzo, but not hearing the name Weird Wolf during these no. three episodes. No, we, we, uh, Monzo <laughs> has kind of a big scene-ish in episode three. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, Wingspan and Pounce, they're, they're getting into Autobot City, and they're seen by the Autobot spy, Punch. So he transforms into Counterpunch because Punch Counterpunch he's the he was the double spy and he was an Autobot who also had a Decepticon mode. Yes, also he had a toy to sell at this point. He will yes, not he be did. around. For, he he's one of this episode specifically because episodes two and three phase out phase this out a little bit, but this first episode specifically has a lot of these moments that are just there to establish this character's gimmick. Uh, one another of which we will get to yes. in a moment, but yes, punches punch turns into a, a has basically he was a car who had two robot modes, and yeah. one of them He's was a, an Autobot and one was a Decepticon. He yes. is a super neat toy, and I must note by transforms into Counterpunch, you mean does a hula dance and suddenly has the palette of Counterpunch. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, that's basically what his toy does, too. You just kind of turn him around. He has Counterpunch on his back. Yes. Just, just got to flip his head around. And yeah, he, he goes in to see... What is the line here? Oh, yeah, that's... Beat it, Counterpunch. We don't need your help. Fine. You deal with my out- Autobot counterpart. I've heard he's nearby. Goes outside, transforms. Real nearby. <laughs> <laughs> it's the cheesiest, most often quoted line from these episodes. And it's the worst spy there, ever. There was a, there was a BotCon, I think it was BotCon 99, where there was like a pizza party at the beginning of it, and there was like a, a, uh, like, you know, one of those little contain, the, the, <laughs> The, the like metal catering container things with the little nozzle on it, uh, but it had it had punch and it just had a sign that said punch on it, and so many people made that joke that <laughs> 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 its Decepticon counterpart was nearby, real nearby. Uh, I'm surprised nobody took it out a sign and put it on the reverse side that said counterpunch. <laughs> I think that may have happened by or by just the stuck end of the, a sticker that said counter over top of the punch. <laughs> that would be about the uh, the quality of his uh, his spy job. Oh yeah, because like his spy job was two Decepticons telling him to just leave without any conflict. So he turns into Punch off screen, dashes back in, and immediately gets shot. <laughs> I I would like to say though that it's maybe not quite as bad a job of being a spy as in the Headmasters, the Japanese cartoon. Where at one point he's listening in on a meeting of the Decepticons, and then he literally just goes in the next room, changes modes, and calls the Autobots. <laughs> well, that's more responsible well, did, than just did walking they get back to shot the room. in that. Yeah. Yeah. Admittedly, I don't think he gets shot in that one. I don't think they catch him because it's Headmasters, and everyone is really dumb in Headmasters. So he's actually dumber in the American version. Yes. So yeah, he gets shot, and the clones make off with whatever it is they were trying to steal. Yay, it's a magic black pyramid! Yes, the yep. magic black pyramid. 
And so uh, Galvatron orders a retreat. They get back into the ship from uh, Transformers the movie, which I always thought looks cool, but kind of looks like a blimp in in this episode. Yeah, and I don't yeah. think that showed up in season three very much. I think occasionally, but not that much. It's a neat design. Yeah, it is. And also, I'd forgotten how Frank Welkery uh, Galvatron sounds. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I was surprised by that because it's like Frank Welker's Galvatron is more Freddy than Megatron. Yes. <laughs> like so it's like Freddy. Frank Welker Galvatron is worse than both his Megatron and Leonard Nimoy's Galvatron. <laughs> yeah, he's he's like a he's like a deranged Fred Jones. Yeah, which, which fits uh, him because he's an well, absolute lunatic. He's insane. Yes. He's screechy. It works. He's and like the Doctor in, Doom uh, of Transformers. Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated. Fred Jones basically is a deranged Fred Jones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's it's fair. so good. I need to finish watching the second season. So anyway, Optimus realizes that uh, you know we've been robbed, so uh, everybody's got to get back and haul ass to Cybertron. For reasons that he doesn't yes. really clarify. How many plot developments in this three-parter are just Optimus Prime realizing something and then running down a hallway before telling anyone what he realized? Yeah, it's it's yeah, a good it's bit. Just Optimus Prime deciding something. Whether through his own means or some sort of supernatural means. Or he just remembers something that he never mentioned to anyone ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe he didn't know about it until, I mean, then again, I know, because he had that thing. So, yeah, question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, on Cybertron, hey, remember Transformers the movie? (laughs) It's those guys. I mean, don't think about it too hard, because we don't have any of the actors back, uh, except for John Machida Jr., the uh, Micro Machines guy who voices Blur. Yes. Also known for his FedEx commercials. Yes. Also in Transformers Animated. Yes, he is. Oh, yeah. That's the same character. Mm-hmm. Yes. Given so his characterization, is talks fast. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so we've guy. got Hot Rod, who is no longer Rodimus Prime, which does not come up at all. Yeah, I... No. What? He seems to be coping well with it. What do you yeah. mean, what? He gave the Matrix back to Optimus Prime. I, I forgot yeah. he, like, depowered when he took it out. He was just Hot Rod. It's like, okay, sure. It confused me. Because I didn't watch the previous. Yeah, it was, like, uh, it was like Silver Age Thor. If he doesn't touch that thing for sixty seconds, he turns black back into Don Blake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And yeah, like I said, he's he's coping well with it. He's happy to not yeah. be leader anymore. I mean, it was kind of a drag. Yeah, and I guess in Return of Optimus Prime, no, in Dark Awakening, like the moment creepy zombie Optimus Prime shows back up, Rodimus is just like, "Take it, take this thing." <laughs> Not I don't it. want it anymore. Yeah, not it. So, even though there's something clearly wrong with Optimus Prime, <laughs> please take it. He doesn't want it. Yeah, I'm tired of kids it. crying because I'm not you. He's tired of having the touch. Uh. So yeah, Blur is raising Hot Rod. They're in like some sort of obstacle course with a bunch of Decepticon targets. Uh, they've armed Daniel, which is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of frightening. How old is he? Like, like 12. 12? <sighs> I feel like he's kind of perpetually 12, but I don't know if that's actually, like, 
determined anywhere. Uh, how long after the Transformers the movie is this? I, th- I would guess two years since... I thought it was supposed uh, to be five. It was 2005. I think season three was 2006. And it's it was been the year the- 2005. And- it is the year 2005. Actually, we get some uh, some sweet Victor Caroli narration in this as well. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Next time on the Transformers. He's like really hamming it up. It's pretty great. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Hot Rod with uh, who is kind of half being driven by Daniel. Who Again, also not old is enough to drive. Yeah, not not old enough for this. So yeah, with I... his assistance, he wins the race and beats Blur. Somehow. And this proves Brainstorm's theory. Wait, who's Brainstorm? Yeah, what? <laughs> he's this teal guy, you know. Yeah, he's uh, he's also Michael Bell. Yes. Yeah. I I I would like to note that in More Than Meets the Eye, I realize that he's he's clearly supposed to have like a British accent, but I still really hear him as this voice because this is like just the enthusiasm inherent to this voice. Oh, I cannot. Just, I I forgot about the voices in this episode and hearing the actual headmaster's talk. They're they're all the wrong voices in my head compared to the comic. <laughs> and well, I would say highbrow is like the only voice you can imagine for highbrow. He's uh, kind of just Fraser Crane. Yeah, Chrome Dome sounds weird. And also, Chrome Dome barely has any lines. He doesn't get to do anything. Chrome Dome Did barely has any lines? personality, and he sounds horrible. Oh, he's he's the worst voice. I don't know what he's trying it's to do, great. but I do not like it. <laughs> so yeah, Highbrow is Johnny Hamer, who was also Swindle. Uh, Chrome Dome is... Who is Chrome Dome? Uh, he, oh, Chrome Dome is Frank Welker. Ah. Uh-huh. See, the thing is, there's so many characters in this that the voice actors kind of just have to throw out whatever voices they've got. Which we will get yeah. to <laughs> later. Yeah, we yeah. haven't even gotten to the, the Nebulons yet. Yeah, they're... I, I think, like, half the characters in, in these episodes are either Michael Bell or Frank Welker. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a lot of Michael Bell and there's a lot of Frank Welker. I was kind of surprised that Rob Paulson didn't show up. He did. Oh, he he's does. One of the there's Nebula. a guy who's super Rob pa- He's one of the target, like, one of the Nebulon target masters. Which oh, okay. He's super Rob Paulson-y. <laughs> he's very Rob Paulson. And I think one yeah, of the but- throttle bots was him, too. Maybe Chase. My problem was I kept mis- okay. Yeah, Chase is Rob Paulson. I kept mistaking Michael Bell for Rob Paulson. Oh, okay. that's fair enough. And they're not that far off. And also, a bunch of guys are Stephen Keener, who is like an internet mystery. Huh. Okay. <laughs> wow. Like this is the only thing on his IMDb page. It's super weird. Huh. Wow. It's like Tommy Kennedy levels of weird. Except people found Tommy Kennedy. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's he kind of looks like Stephen... Jim Gaffigan now. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe Stephen Keener can be the next one to go after. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least people know what Tommy Kennedy looks like. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Stephen Keener could be anybody. He could be yeah. one of us. He's not. Mm. He could be Michael Bell getting a second paycheck. This is also possible. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. That so, sounds... I mean, Stephen Keener kind of sounds like a fake name. Yeah, it does. So anyway, yeah, we meet a whole bunch of guys who we've never met. It's Brainstorm, who is a jet, Hardhead, who is a tank-ish thing, uh, Chrome Dome, who is a car, uh, Highbrow, who is a helicopter, and Cerebros, who is friggin' nothing. <laughs> <laughs> He's a box. 
he's basically like he looks like a generic transformer someone just drew in in the background. And also, he's friggin' terrible. He's a really nice. I like Aww. his nice generic design. He's got a neat, simple head. That's true. I do like his head. It's very, um, it's very GM from Gundam. He's my precious emo baby. I don't want to hear <laughs> yeah. anything bad about him. He's well, anyway, like, he's, he's pacifist, and that means basically he's not doing anything. Which, what is he doing here? Yep. And his alt mode will eventually be revealed to be shelves. <laughs> yes. He came from the colony world Ikea. <laughs> Pretty much. They had to put him together with an Allen wrench. <laughs> oh, God, so you joke, but if Ikea made more transforming furniture, I would be broke and in a room that had more furniture than I could actually operate. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. So, so my brainstorm's big theory is that, hey, if you combine humans with transformers, they'd be uh, even better. Yeah, he's really excited about this theory. So I got the idea from Hasbro's marketing department. <laughs> yes, I, I, the, the entire thing with Daniel trying to drive Hot Rod just before I realized that was going to be the conceit of the entire three-parter, I was just like, "What? No, no, this, this makes no sense. This is stupid. Like he's he's going to leave steering to Rodimus and control the." He's gonna be the one who decides how fast Rodimus has, like, like, if he's in control of his own bodily functions, he has way more control over how fast or slow he's going and whether he's trying to stop that Daniel wouldn't be able to have anywhere near and then leaving the steering to. I mean, I can see this if, like, this was a race car driver or something. No, like, it's just a something like that. This maybe, is a child. Maybe he's been hanging out with them for long enough, by which I mean, I mean all his life. That you know, true. he's mostly he's he out with Wheelie, who is also not in this episode. Could yeah. use yeah. a little Wheelie, I guess. Especially since I just got uh, Titans Return Wheelie, who is uh, super neat. As as far as uh, very notable animation errors go, there is one point where one of the target masters is replaced by his target master partner. Yes, because this is also where we meet our target masters who, for the, if you put a target master to my head, I could not tell you who is Crosshairs, who is Sure Shot, and who is Point Blank? Yeah, I, <laughs> Is Point Blank Galvatron's? I could remember the name Sure Shot, but that was all, and all I know is one of them sounds like Jack Nicholson. And that's not sure. Oh, I was going to say uh, it's Crosshairs, who sound who I thought sounded like Ronald Reagan. He's. I thought he sounded like Clint Eastwood. So. <laughs> Some kind of impression that's not very good. <clears throat> well, uh, uh, goody two shoes, Nance. <laughs> Mister Galvatron, tear down this wall. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I'm in a land of confusion here. <laughs> Oh, man. Headmasters, except they turn into those creepy uh, Genesis puppets. Oh. Horrifying. Oh, oh. Oh, they're, they're not Genesis puppets. Those are from a uh, UK political satire TV show that Genesis commissioned to do that video. No, I mean specifically the puppets of Genesis in that video. Oh, yes. Those are horrifying. Puppet Phil Collins is a friggin' nightmare machine. <laughs> But in the uh, in the opening credits, though, there is some commercial animation of crosshairs that looks really good. Oh yes. Here he doesn't look quite as good. Crosshairs is the only one who I can recognize because I had uh, 
like a couple scattered Transformers comic back issues. Mm-hmm. And in the later issues, they ran the uh, the Transformers Universe profiles in the back. Mm-hmm. And one of the issues I had just had his profile and not the rest of the Target Master. So I just know which one is Crosshairs. <laughs> he is the red and blue one who has a cool head that doesn't look like his toy. No. His toy yeah. just has like... For some reason, a lot of the headmasters have totally different head face or not head faces, <laughs> cartoon faces and, and toy faces. Totally different. It's weird. Hmm. Maybe it was one of those things where they just like were in the process of finalizing them when they they put together the animation models or something. Yeah, I don't because think there's the, anything quite as clear as the uh, the discrepancy between say Siren and Nightbeat. Where yes. they obviously switched some stuff around. Yes. So yeah, anyway, so these guys, uh, so the three guys we know, plus these guys who we've never met, are just hanging around on Cybertron, chatting, and then uh, they got a distress call from Optimus. They got a, because it turns out that thing they stole was the key to the plasma energy chamber, which you may remember from Beast Machines. So yeah. why were they keeping that on Earth? I mean, I, well, I guess, guess it, maybe that's the sort of thing where you want to keep it away from the thing it goes to. And it was tasked for generations to be something that the leader of the Autobots had to keep safe. Yes. Damn it, Prime, you had one job! <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's here that we learned that the plasma energy chamber was the forge, which was used to create the bodies of the original Autobots, which is kind of cool. So, But my question there is, what about the Decepticons? <laughs> I mean, I guess the Decepticons came later. Maybe they came from a different forge? I don't know. I haven't seen Five Faces of Darkness in ages, but I but, think they mentioned that the Decepticons came later? Well, no, actually, I don't think it's later. I think it's just that basically the Autobots were, like, non-military, and the Decepticons right. were the military robots. Oh, okay, and right, right. this is why I like the comic book stuff a lot more. <laughs> I do love the Quintessons, though. They're so goofy. Anyway, so... Yeah, Galvatron, he is hell-bent for leather and headed to open the key to vector... Or not the key to vector, the key... Why do all these things have keys? The key to the plasma energy chamber. And so, yeah, the Septicons get there, and they send out the aerial bots who are Yay! in this episode. Mm. Uh, but bad news, because out steps Chickshot, who immediately murders all of them. Yeah, oh, yes. the aerial bots are in this episode just entirely to get, like, all three episodes just entirely to get beat up on, and it makes me very yes. sad. But what, <laughs> yeah, what they do is they have Sickshot go through each of his modes, and in each one, he, you know, takes down one of the aerial bots in, in a different way. It's an amazing squash match. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is totally the one. To show off all of his modes. And then he doesn't do anything else ever again. No, he never shows up. And this was, like, he didn't really show up in the comic at all. Yeah, he didn't. One panel. And, I mean, he was in the Japanese series a lot. But for, like, uh, for, like, two decades, this was all he ever did in North America. Yes. Showed up, shot the aerial bots, (laughs) and we're done. Yes, pretty much. Poor aerial bots. It's and impressive. He to it is like shooting ducks in a barrel, which sounds horrible. <laughs> Who shoots ducks in a barrel? 
That's always been a weird expression. Why are you putting the ducks in a barrel? How are you getting ducks in a barrel? <laughs> ducks are ill-tempered at the best of times. It's when you're trying to put true. them in a barrel, even less so. Also, the show just keeps coming back to ducks. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I feel like if you were shooting ducks in a barrel, you're oddly obsessed with Nintendo and have managed to somehow fuse Duck Hunt and Donkey Kong in your head. Doesn't he call them cyber ducks? Yes, cyber ducks in a barrel. I mean, I guess maybe put cyber ducks in a barrel. Because actually, I've I've realized that, uh, for me, Rebirth is like second on my list of Transformers things that I've memorized way too much dialogue from. <laughs> the first, of course, being Transformers the movie. Yes. So, yes, so he right. shows up, has his buy-me moment by taking out old toys that are no longer on the shelf, and then he disappears. <laughs> Take that, last year's product. Yeah. That's it's a very Transformers the movie kind of moment. Oh, yes. I mean, it's not... Qu- and they have a lower animation budget on this, and also it's on TV, so they, if this were the movie, they'd just be getting blown apart. <laughs> but no, this time they get to come back for punishment for two more episodes. <laughs> My poor so, babies. So, yeah, Cup and Hot Rod, their team is actually... They've, take, they've taken a shuttle to get, I guess, from one part of Cybertron to another, which is kind of a nice touch, as it implies that Cybertron isn't just the size of, you know, Duluth, Minnesota. Who in Hot Rod? A cop in Hot Rod. Who in Hot Rod? Wait, what? Who in Hot Rod? A cop? Oh, you mean shit piece. (laughs) Wait, what? I I mean, this this is after Bumblebee became Goldbug, so this is after Cup became shit piece. This is what I was referring to earlier oh, I, about the, I the meme. Seen it, so I'm very confused. Oh, the meme video it. that being relevant to Goldbug, oh, you know, okay. Bumblebee becoming Goldbug. <laughs> Not that his prime just renames it. Because I'll, I'll explain the joke because you know he says he's he's a gold bug and Optimus is like and that's what we'll call you Goldbug and the cup is like I feel like a piece of shit. <laughs> that's what we'll call you shit piece. Oh. <laughs> the uh, end. <laughs> so yeah, the uh, hot rod and all these new toys make it to the plasma energy chamber. Uh, for some reason, they send Scourge in first. Uh, the Decepticons. Yeah. I'm going to guess that's so. If anyone got shot, it would be him. Yeah. Nobody likes Scourge. I and they have an armada to replace uh, him with. Steal the Matrix and turn it into a gross monster man. That was a cool episode. That is a cool episode. I really like that one. So, yeah, he he almost gets killed. The Autobots' ship gets hit with a wave of energy, of plasma energy, and just gets hurled off Cybertron. Which, it's a really weird start to to show the power of the plasma energy chamber. It has enough power to almost kill a sweep. Yes. Well, Scourge, (laughs) he's, you know, the, the main sweep. No, we yeah. actually don't see any of the sweeps in this. It's no, weird. we don't. Huh. That's why, at first I thought he was just a sweep, but it's like, oh no, it's just Scourge. Yeah, they just kill him, but no. Only Scourge. And also, is it at this point where uh, Hardhead is trying to stop Blur from screaming, but it actually looks like they're making out? Yep. Yes, once the the ship gets blasted off and they realize they're then about to crash into some other planet... Then Blur starts freaking out. It's like, this is it. We're all going to die. And, and Hardhead, like, 
you know, like puts his, his hand over his mouth, but then also just sort of like takes him down off screen. And so between that and a, uh, an unfortunate animation loop in the headmaster's episode, Life Can Be Sacrificed for Peace on Earth, <laughs> uh, we have, <laughs> has, has developed the, uh, the theory that hardhead's gay love can soothe any panicking Autobot. Kiss me, you fool. <laughs> if they're freaking out, all that's needed to calm them down is just to have Hardhead make out with them or thrust his crotch at their rears in the case. <laughs> and yet Hardhead, <laughs> not one of the robots who's uh, gay in the uh, IDW comics. Yeah, well, we don't know. He I mean, I guess be. we don't know. He's barely been there. Well, I mean, he, had, he was kind of a bigger deal before, like, back in the Furman era. Yeah, yeah, he was he had in his own there a uh, spotlight. <laughs> Yay! I'm pretty sure he's on the Lost Light. Well, I don't know if he's no, on the he's Lost Light in season two. I know he was in season one. Hmm. Or was that... No. No, that wasn't Hardhead. No, I'm th- I was thinking Highbrow. He was hanging out with... He was hanging out with Optimus Prime <laughs> for a while him. during the Dark Cybertron stuff. Oh, right. He might he be was. dead. That's so weird. Oh, uh, shit. Did I disconnect? No. It's just oh, everybody thought- was like, oh, he might be dead. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> and then we had a moment of silence for Hardhead. <laughs> Alas. All right. So uh, yeah, they get hurled off Cybertron in their uh, in their ship to parts unknown. Uh, we also cut back to the rest of the Autobots, where we meet uh, the Autobot clones, Fast Lane and Cloudraker. I love them so much, based entirely on one page of characterization from their Transformers universe profiles. Roger Dodger, Jen. Yeah, this was exciting for me because they said something, and then never. Well, they do say one other thing. Yeah, they they kind of don't get to do much. No. And also, the Decepticons get into the plasma energy chamber and I guess turn Scourge back on, and so now <laughs> no. they set out to find the Autobots. And the Autobots have crash landed on this crazy looking planet, Nebulon. Sure. Is it Nebulos. I think it is sometimes Nebulon and sometimes Nebulose. Huh. I think we care more than they did. (laughs) I think it's one in the comic. We care more than David Wise did. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Nebulon in the comics, and I think it's Nebulose in the cartoon. Yeah, they are still called Nebulins. Yes. I don't know. It's it's all very nebulous. Yeah, I think that's kind of how they came up with it. Uh, you need to come up with this uh, new planet. It's what's it like? Yeah, it's kind of you know, it's kind of nebulous, nebulous. <laughs> Thank you, Hasbro <laughs> Paycheck. Yeah, it's like when they came up with uh, Cobra Law for the uh, uh, ancient Cobra City in uh, GI Joe the movie. They were all it's a placeholder name. It's terrible, and Hasbro was all, oh no, Cobra Law, we like it. And the writers are all, oh no. What have we done? Well, the good news is nobody's going to see this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, they cra- it's kind of like a vaguely generic looking alien planet. Yeah. I'm like, not sure I'd call it that alien, but okay. I mean, it, it's alien in the sense that it kind of looks like uh, Captain Kirk should be beaning lizard men with uh, styrofoam rocks in the background. Uh, so by okay, alien, so... you mean, like, Southern California? Yes. Yeah, that that sounds about right. 
Oh, yeah, and uh, somewhere along the way they got Spike in there. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, he was there after Daniel finished being in Hot Rod for some reason. Right, I forgot to mention that Spike is also here, and he will turn out to be surprisingly important, despite not really doing a whole lot of anything for the uh, entirety of Season 3. <laughs> I, I would also like to note that somehow, magically, both Cybertron and Nebulos have air that's breathable by humans. Well, yes. And also, everybody on Nebulos speaks English. Conveniently enough. Sure. Yeah, so their, their engines are all messed up, it catches on fire, so... They just uh, decide to go for a walk, see if they can find any civilization. And they're soon spotted by green dudes. <laughs> oh no! Green dudes who hate machines even more than Captain Fanzone from Animated. Yes. That's a we lot get, of hate. Yeah, we it get is. Duros, who is Charlie Adler. Uh, also, a ton of stuff. He's, he was Starscream in. Oh, he's uh, Starscream in those uh, live action movies. Oh yeah, and he was and pretty much uh, everyone in Cow and Chicken. Yeah, he's Silverbolt. Yes. He's in a also, he's. And... I just want to point out that he's super gay. Okay. <laughs> Which one of the Tiny Toons was he? Was he Buster Bunny? I think uh, it was sometimes him, and so. it was sometimes uh, what's his name, the Crypt Keeper, mm, uh, John okay. Cassier. Like I think he's he's him in one season, then it's Crypt Keeper in another season. Huh. Yeah, he's Duros, and Pinpointer is uh, Ray Stance. Huh. Oh uh, no, no! I'm sorry. He's uh, he's Iceman. Ice no, he's, he's Fred Joe. It's it's Frank Welker just doing his Frank Welker <laughs> generic dude voice. Uh huh. Which I think I kind of assume that's what Frank Welker normally sounds like. I do too. Pretty much. He he does kind of. I saw him at a botcon, and yeah, it's basically like that. Does he also wear uh, like uh, neckerchiefs? No. Ah. Oh. I mean, not that time. I don't <laughs> think he's like uh, Scott McNeil and has you know. <laughs> convention outfit he wears. That footage of him doing Lion King animal foley doesn't have him wearing an ascot, so I'm going to assume oh, no. This is true. <laughs> that's fair so enough. That's, and uh, yeah, that's Pinpointer. So they uh, they assume these machines they're going to uh, they assume they're machines controlled by the Hive, and Ooh, they have to alert the others. Yeah, you know, like you do. And soon they capture them with like energy lassoes. And, like you do. And tie him up in a cave. Like you do. Yeah. <laughs> Autobots are really It's all perfectly capture. normal, reasonable behavior. Sure. Yes. So yeah, they uh so Spike tries to convince them that, you know, they uh you know, this this isn't so bad. You know, these guys are good. And uh before he can do so though, uh the Decepticons get there. And here I- we get a little characterization for uh, Slug Slinger and Trigger Happy, mostly that they're big goofs. <laughs> I, I do want to point out that in uh, while, while Spike is trying to talk to the Nebulans, and, you know, apparently the Nebulans have heard of humans, but they haven't heard of Autobots. Yeah. What? <laughs> and I guess it's here that we should note that uh, the Nebulans are often, at least in the Marvel comics, they were just a bunch of white guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and one black guy. Yeah, <laughs> the one the one token black nebula. I think that was uh, Kreb or something. One of the 1988 Decepticon Headmasters Masters was a black guy. The rest just mm-hmm. white guys. Here they're kind of weird, lumpy-looking green guys. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're kind of Ming the Merciless looking. These are kind of ugly character models. 
are yeah. these are these can we assume that these are fluoro dairy models because they look like fluoro dairy aliens they do look very outfits are very dairy yeah i mean we can pretty much put that out there they look like green sort of bulby fluoro dairy aliens the yeah. end yeah but some of them have big noses like hobbits yeah they they are kind of they do kind of remind me of like that Rankin Bass, uh, Lord of the Rings ish. I can see that. Yeah, I or can kind of see that. Or alternately, uh, some of the character models in the Last Unicorn, mm, most yeah. notably like the old people. Hmm. Anywho. Anyways, yeah. So once the Decepticons attack, the Nebulans decide. Well, you know, we're kind of screwed either way, so we might as well be slightly less screwed and let the Autobots go. And it it doesn't go well. Uh, all the guys who are going to become Autobot Target Masters get captured. <laughs> yes, just take the ones who will be Target Masters. Leave the others behind. Come on, didn't you read the toy catalog? Put put Hardhead back. <laughs> He's not with this bunch. He's under Large Autobot Headmasters. You want the guys <laughs> who are under Large Autobot Target Masters. Yeah. No, no, you're looking at the wrong side. The red side is the side you're supposed to be looking at. <laughs> anyway, and also Daniel gets, uh, like, mauled by Snapdragon. Thank you. Yeah, it's, that's, like, the most important thing Snapdragon does in the episode. Yes. Oh, and also, I've totally forgotten, because she doesn't have a toy, but RC is also along oh, for the ride here. Oh, right, yeah, she's just sort of yes. there for most of the episode. And also, she and Daniel are very close now, which I don't really remember previously. Yeah, maybe, like, between seasons, Carly died, and I don't know. Oh, yeah, oh, she died here. Yeah. I mean, it is a little not previously established. Yeah. That's my headcanon, is that Carly <laughs> got killed, and oh. so R.C. took as took him on as, as his mother figure. Yeah, it, it is a little unfortunate that the, the only female character on the show is super maternal now. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with the character being maternal, but when that's your only female representation, and none of the male Autobots are particularly paternal... Mm. Yeah, that, that does sort of go back to the basic problem with, with only having one character of a group like that, is that oh. then... That one character becomes representative, yeah. and, and when you try to give them those traits, it just kind of looks bad. Yeah. I don't know. I'd say there's no characters that are paternal. I mean, Spike does seem like... <laughs> Spike if Carly is literally got, his father. Well, I mean, okay. <laughs> if, if Carly got killed, is there a Decepticon that showed up in Season 3 that doesn't show up after Season 3 that he could have gone after like Liam Neeson and taken? Because that's the impression I'm getting. Oh, he man, does that'd seem be a little cool. unhinged in this episode. Yeah. Also, uh, in in season three, there are times when Rodimus comes off as very paternal towards uh, towards Daniel. So That's I'll true. leave that. Yeah. Like the movie where they're catching fish together. Yeah. I, and and I was also thinking of uh, Nightmare Planet, which has this great part where where uh, like. Daniel's having this dream about Galvatron, and Galvatron's, like, huge, and, and this is brought up, and Galvatron is like, fool! Galvatron can be any size he wishes! <laughs> and I love that, because it's entirely in character for Galvatron. <laughs> yep. 
Is there a transformer but, but, that can't be any size they wish? <laughs> Assuming you mean by plot standards and not in-character standards. Well, especially but, when ACOM is animating Yeah, the animation errors sure. are all the scale yeah. problems in these episodes all over the place. But, and, I mean, Rodimus is, like, sitting beside Daniel's bed in his conveniently enormous bedroom, like, <laughs> when he's having nightmares and stuff. So, I, I think he was being decidedly paternal at that at that yeah. point. Yeah. All right, so anyway, some of the Autobots give chase, but they are driven off by Beast Machine Scavenger. <laughs> chase, however, is not in these episodes anymore. No, the no. Throttlebot. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're not. It kind of looks like these pieces. They're just big, chompy, mechanical mouths on articulated arms. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they do look a lot like that sort of thing. So, yeah, Arcana and Firebolt managed to uh, stabilize uh, Daniel in, like, some sort of life support goofy helmet. Because he, I mean, obviously we can't show this, but apparently, uh, I mean, he's super messed up. Yeah. Which yeah. I guess yeah, makes he, sense when you're a twelve year old boy and you try to fight a giant robotic dragon. I mean he doesn't look messed up and yet yeah, it's probably just because of cartoons, but the implication is that he's in extremely bad shape. I don't know, like, maybe he's got cranial hemorrhaging or something. Or he just hit him so hard and all his organs are liquefied. <laughs> so yeah, uh Gort, who is the leader, who is I think he's also Michael Bell. And he's also a huge pessimist. Oh, my God. Yeah, this guy's a real bummer. He's the worst leader. Oh, yeah. He doesn't even have a good leader name. His name is Gort. He's like the anti-Optimus Prime. Change we can't believe in. Vote for me or, you know, don't. We're all going to (laughs) die. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he explains that the the Hive, uh, they are ten uh, telekinetic or... At least they can control machines with their minds. Yeah, and something they, about mental they use powers. They machines to rule Nebulon, or Nebulos. Yeah. And they, they live beneath the, uh, the planet's surface. Like you do. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, they, they rule it with the machines, the, uh, and they, they, can, you know, they can stop the machines, they just don't have the firepower to do it. And so, hey, remember that uh, idea about the organic partners? Oh, man, how convenient. Well, it's time for everybody to uh, to get paired up into Headmasters, except for Cerebros, who says, screw you, I'm leaving. <laughs> yes. My emo baby. My emo he's, baby. He's so terrible. Like, come on, guys. All, <laughs> all they're asking for you is to, you know, sever your own head and then have, like, a, a tiny man in it. He's yeah, a conscientious what? objector. It's understandable in this mad science proposal that they don't need to... Do really well. Daniel kind of needs it, but everybody else is fine. Why? Chop off your heads? Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, everybody is surprisingly okay with it, and especially since apparently this is being conducted largely by Spike, who is like an auto mechanic. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't even that before. He was just like an oil rig worker, an assistant yeah. oil rig worker. I mean, that was yeah. 20 years ago. Presumably he's learned something since then, although, I guess, robot brain surgery. Apparently. Among things he's learned, real men don't cry, they only get stronger. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. And uh, R.C. specifically asks that she wants to be Daniel's partner, which, 
I mean, okay, RC, but that kid's going to be like a teenager in a couple years. Things are going to get weird. It's not just that. It's the way she says it. Spike, give me Daniel. Ew. (laughs) No, I think she says it very maternally. Well, her delivery is good, but the line itself is kind of creepy. I suppose. I mean, Susan Blue is a pretty great voice actress. Yeah. Yes. Like, to give to me your only son so that he can turn <laughs> into my head. <laughs> the theme song for this episode needs to be Tear Off My Own Head, It's a Dull Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so everybody pulls off their own heads, and Spike says, Get ready, you're about to become headmasters. Yay! What? Oh, okay. And yeah, that's our, that's our first part. Because, yeah, this is a three-parter. Next time on The Transformers. Yes. Oh, and we've taken a while. This might end up being a two-parter. The rest of it should move faster, though. We have fewer characters to explain. (laughs) Yeah, fewer new characters show up. Yeah. Yeah, There's so many new characters. Oh, my God, there's so many spoilers in the episode previews. I'd forgotten that was a (laughs) thing with this. It's like... I, I'm used to that from, like, Dragon Ball Z and some other anime, but I didn't remember Transformers was that bad. <laughs> it was like, it spoils yeah. everything. Next time on the Transformers, all of this stuff. <laughs> I was a little worried I was running short for time, so I skipped the next time stuff, because I figured, well, I'm about to watch exactly that anyway, but... That was, like, two minutes of the episode. You can tell where they were cutting budget. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Yeah, because the last time on the Transformers. Yeah. I, I I really like the Japanese endings, the little Japanese next episode things, when they're things like, will Scorponok return? Of course he will. Find out in Scorponok Returns. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think the best one was, will, Optima- will Ultra Magnus die? Find out next time on Ultra Magnus Dies. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that just Japanese culture, at le- or at least the, the, you know, younger series part of it, has no real concern about or grasp of spoilers. I think they're just perfectly happy to know what's going to happen next. Said, well, also, sometimes they like to subvert it. Like, I just watched an episode of Ultraman, Orb, a new <laughs> show. The episode is called Juggler Dies. He dies, but then he comes back in the last two minutes to kill somebody else. So at that point, it's basically like the the text on comic book covers. Yeah. From like the 80s. Yeah, technically (laughs) it happens, but not in the way you thought. No, but not in the way we we acted like it was going to happen. Yeah. All right, well, next time on the Transformers, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'll form the head.
Now I'm playing with my skull cruncher. I, I transformed by. <laughs> okay. Yeah, man. Animal modes are cool. I need mind wipe. I, I need mind voice. wipe so bad. I haven't opened it yet because I'm waiting to do it until like oh. Sunday or Monday so I can do it on the show. I also got Ravage. Cool. Well, that, I was, do it on the show, but. Ooh. 